The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. And now, here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I'm Brandon, and this is my companion, Steven. Hi. This series of Old Space Show follows the intergalactic swashbuckling escape antics of Roche Blake and his ruffian crew in the first season of Blake's Siete. Today, we are discussing the 11th episode, Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. In this episode, President Sarkov is a prisoner of the Federation, and while Blake and Callie try to return him, in, and while Blake and Callie try to return him to his own planet, the Liberator runs into deadly trouble. All right, drawing the name from the director hat this week is Pennant Roberts, and uh, it's written by Terry, Terry, Terry Nation. Cast of this episode, Gareth Thomas, Sally Nevette, Paul Darrow, Jan Chapel, Michael Keaton, uh, Keating, David <laughs> Jan, dum, 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 uh, David Jackson, Peter Tudnam, T.P. McKenna, Cynthia West, and Mark Zuber. With, this is one of those uh, I got. Mm-hmm. I, I always like with uh, shows, sci-fi shows, or this Blake Seven tends to work. I have a good feeling when we start mid-mission for an episode. That's what I was going to say. They, the, you know, it starts out and they're there, and we, mm-hmm. you know, we have to find out what they're doing there as the episode goes along. Yes, and that is the perfect way. I mentioned that last week about how there's there's three ways to start Blake seven episodes. I think we're mm-hmm. finding uh, as we near the end of the first season. It's uh, everything happens on board the Liberator, uh, which doesn't always work. Um, uh, you know, outside of the first two episodes, we'll say. Um, and then there's a uh, a way to sort of say, hey, things are happening on board the Liberator, but they're also happening somewhere else, be it Cygnus Alpha or something going on with uh, Servalan and Travis. The third way to do it, which is how Search, Locate, Seek, Locate, Destroy did, and how this one does is... Boom, the episode starts and they've just landed on the planet. We don't have any uh, faff on the Liberator about what they're doing there. We find out as the mission happens. And that is very exciting. And so instantly I was I was into this episode. Especially when it's on film. I'm like, oh, they're getting serious. You yes. <laughs> I had to look it up uh, at, at a place called Waterloo Tower. I looked at that place and think this looks like a weird place. Uh, it looks like kind of like a... Not like a, a sort of a folly of a castle. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. With a strange like steeple slash tower out of the top of it. And I thought mm-hmm. I was looking closely thinking, is there some crazy like model shot or something like that? No, it's an actual place called Waterloo Tower, okay. uh, which is in Kent in the UK. It looks exactly as you see it on screen. It is still the same in 2022 as it was in 1978 when they shot that. It was uh- built in 1819 uh, and they used it for this, I think, 
perfectly fitting given the the amount of uh, antique trinkets that uh, uh, Zarkov has. This feels like a very natural type of building for him to be uh, housed in. Yeah, that that's right. Because things feel kind of odd a bit because we, we jump in with Callie um, running away from Federation troopers and then blake shows up of course he's the one who got to carry the cooler this week when they go on their mission he's got <laughs> yep. the dr- he's got the drinks um uh-huh. but we this like old car um drives by and, and it's like wait are, what <laughs> you know it, it feels so off for this show um because they've done a good job of you know not being very earthy yeah um with things and then there's here comes this classic car but it fits everything out. It'll explain itself. I part. I have yet to do this, and I should do it, or at least check uh, for someone who has already done it. But in the fur and the second episode of Spearhead from Space, mm-hmm. uh, the Doctor yet, of course, before he meets uh, before he gets his yellow roadster called Bessie, right? Uh, in the next story, he drives around a borrowed, shall we say, uh, red old timey roadster, which looks very much like. The one that Zarkov has, and I—I ah. I don't know if it's the actually the same car. And I want to do a side by side comparison at some point to see if any if there are any sort of matching features that would lead me to believe that. Oof. Did, did BBC have just like a lot of cars to use for location shoots? Maybe, or maybe or... they rented it out, or you know, mm-hmm. it was. I mean, it's an older car. Maybe in eight eight years in between uh, uses, maybe that it wouldn't have been around anymore by nineteen seventy eight. But um, yeah, well, I'm gonna check a, it. Yeah, there would be collectors that lend stuff out to that, and it might be a guy that oh, I know you want a classic car, this guy, and he just randomly handed out the same one or something, mm-hmm. you know? Because sometimes there are you know collectors that they will used to like outsource for like film and tv where like oh he's a guy go to him he's got a good lot of cars he collects and they mm-hmm. let him use them for movies and stuff but hmm, that is oh, i've got a yeah side by side we need it um but yeah <laughs> this, do, well, if i remember i'll let you know <laughs> here we go yeah the, the mini castle uh which this episode for the first like, half before they get back to the liberator I got like prisoner vibes from a lot of it for some reason. Interesting. Um, I, it's nothing like prisoner. There's no. It's just right. like, maybe the costuming, the car, the the little castle, the, the anachronisms, kind of like floating through. Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you're watching a Blake Seven episode and an antique roadster sort of thru- drives through. Yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like they walked into like something like that. And the guy, I mean, the guy before he's. he's Starts talking to the ex president. Um, what was his name? Uh, Sarkov. Sarkov. He looks like some guy that you'd be causing, you know, he might be one of the uh guys causing problems, uh, number two or whatever on the prisoner. He might (laughs) be this week's, this week's number two, you know, like, yeah, slightly foppish. Yeah. Uh, you know, the legendary TP McKenna, who I, I think I've actually only ever seen him in this and, uh, in Doctor Who, he was—he'll go on to be in the greatest show in the galaxy, playing Captain Cook. Uh, perfect casting, one hundred percent perfect casting for mm-hmm. uh, that type of character in Doctor Who, uh, and in this too. And you can't—you can't help. He's, there's a slight campness to him, um, which uh, I really appreciate. And 
yeah, he's one of my favorite things in this whole episode. I don't think he's quite allowed to uh, be unleashed uh, as as TP as I've seen him in Doctor Who, but uh, you can sense it's there, bubbling under the surface. You know, him just collecting all these old <clears throat> records and mm-hmm. uh, dead butterflies and everything else, all while on a prison planet of sorts. Because I'm like, they talk about. It, I'm like, this this is a, in a castle. They let him collect things. <laughs> Definitely a minimum security. I think uh, prison is what we're looking at here. You know, with guards still like cycling around outside. Like there's he's he's still under guard, which is the am- yeah. amusing thing. Like he's driving around with Tice, who we later find out is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just tooting around the the planet under under house arrest, essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the nicest of the Federation guards. Um, the, they even. Uh, how is it? They when they climb the wall and like Callie jumps on the one. Yep. He's like, "Oh, go ahead, Ray." No, he didn't say that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting thing, and I like like we talked about. They they treat the audience like they're smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to follow this and it keeps filling in the gaps of the background as we go through and move forward. So you're learning about this, the mission, um, why they're there, what their plan, plan is, who this guy was, what his importance is without a liberator scene talking about, well, what should we do this week? Well, there's this yeah. ex president on this planet. And then he shows up with 19 minutes left. Uh, <laughs> No, not that we're still complaining about last week's episode or anything. No, right. Um, but yeah, so it's, I, I just I like that vibe of assuming the audience is going to pick this up and be smart about it. Um, there's also, I mean, they give the Liberator crew um, stuff to do that comes in later. It actually, you know, normally this would be the filler. Like, well, we we pay them for the episode. We need to have them do something. Right. But for once, the filler on the uh, on the Liberator becomes the A plot in the second half of this thing, which is well written in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it actually they actually work together in tandem a little bit, and you think it's going to be sort of separate. You know, it's it's uh, another one of those. Uh, okay, we'll beam you down now, and then uh, be ready at this exact time, and we'll beam back up. And of course, what happens? The Liberator is called away, is out of the out of orbit now, or in this case, uh, has been taken over by. Space Arabs, because yes, uh, we, last week we had uh, 1970s sexism. Now we got 1970s casual racism with white guys wearing. They they they're sort of made up to look like your typical. Uh, I, you I, know. I put like uh, it was like space Omar Sharif in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't think they're of Arab descent. So all right, well. That's what we do in 1979. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But you know, you could you could sort of tell. You know, you, you I you know, there um, hostage takings mm-hmm. in the 1970s mm-hmm. on airplanes uh, were uh-huh. like a, a fairly common thing. So sort of, you know, relative to to nowadays, right. of course. And I think it's just sort of like playing into that. There's there's a lot of Middle Eastern hostage takings on airplanes, and yeah. they thought, well, we can do it in space too. We'll yeah. just put a guy in space a space Arabs. And, yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird. I've never seen that done before, and I. Yep. It's it's here because usually you you go to like. It's done a lot better in a lot of like usually it's incorporated into like desert planets and stuff, but in like a I don't know better way than mm-hmm. this. Like yeah. I think this is trying to add some sort of like sense of um 
I don't know, uh, royalty or wealth to the outfit. That too, yeah, like sort of work. like a, um, yeah. yeah, to to make it look a little more cultural, shall we speak, say, yeah. you know, it just, it's not just people wearing like, you know, outlandish space suits or something like that. It's like, there's a, there's a larger, uh, ethnic, not really though, because it's just white guys, uh, mm-hmm. dressed up in, in the universe. Um, you know, different times, different times these, uh, these things were made in. And, uh, I, I appreciate that, but, uh, it, it's, uh, that's why I find watching old TV like this fascinating because it, you know, it comes from the, the era f- that it comes from and, uh, things that we wouldn't necessarily do today. Although I mean, you know, as recently as what, 10 or 12 years ago, there is a Prince of Persia movie that starred Jake uh-huh. Gyllenhaal, who at last, at last check was not Arab. So, uh, you know, it's not something no. that exactly is limited to the 1970s. And the thing is, you can, in my opinion, you can do both. You can acknowledge, admit, and know that that's not right, it's wrong, mm-hmm. and still say, I do enjoy the overall product, but I do recognize this. You can do both. Yep. You can ignore, you can get really mad at it if you want and just say, no, thanks, that's fine too. But people can do both, being like, well, I like the episode, but that was bothersome and wrong. You can do that. You can do yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it's uh I mean there's there's lots of media that uh that were made in the before times uh that are like that. I I think of two things off the top of my head. It's uh Doctor Who obviously because that's where I my idea, you know, first goes it's the Towns of Wang Chiang, yep. which has a, a, a you know, is one of the great stories unnecessary of all time. makeup effects. <laughs> but then there is the lead character is a white guy made up to to supposedly look Chinese. Uh and then there's another one which is from much earlier but uh 1961 I think uh Breakfast at Tiffany's everyone remembers mm-hmm. always in the love story and Audrey Hepburn isn't she just lovely in the cafe scene and everything, and they never mention Mickey Rooney dressed up as a comedy Japanese person. That is astounding if you've never seen the film and you think mm-hmm. this is where things were in 1961. Uh, and yet, I don't think you know people sort of like they don't immediately throw the entire movie on the bus. I think people sort of come to terms with this was made in 1961. There are some great mm-hmm. aspects to it, but there are some parts that have horribly right. dated. Uh, and it's, I don't think you win any prizes for pointing out that yes, it is horribly dated, nor do you get points for sort of like being as, um, you know, overtly, uh, voicing your opinion that this is racist. We all know it's racist. Yeah, we all yep. know. You didn't discover that, anything. <laughs> no, that by by today's standards, uh, it is it is a thing that we wouldn't do, but it it was back then. And uh and it's you know, it's interesting when when some of these more timeless uh things like Doctor Who, like Breakfast at Tiffany's, mm-hmm. like Blake Seven will say, you know, when we ju- when we watch them today and we just interchange them, you know, probably when I'm done this just to date this recording, I'm probably going to watch the first episode of Andor, Star Wars Andor, which is a brand yep. new show. I watched both in the same day because I was allowed to. And there's a certain recency thing where you can sort of place them. They're all part of that same universe, you know, mm-hmm. that you just watch. They're just shows to watch. Uh, and, and you don't necessarily appreciate when each of them were made. And so I think as time goes on and, and, and older TV just sort of like becomes you know, all of it, just old TV. I think some, the more problematic stuff of the past sort of melds in with the uh, less problematic stuff of the more recent past. Right. And with, with Dr. Who, they, they at least with a show that long, longe- with that longevity, 
you get to watch them grow and learn and become better than what they used to be in terms mm. of that kind of thing. Like you, you're like, oh, they have learned. They do get, you know, um, they don't do that anymore. They they yep. will acknowledge that it was, you know, a thing. Like, it was it right back then? No. But did anybody stop? People, the people in the power and the places didn't think that much or nobody told them was there to tell them no and that's what mm-hmm. we got and they have to deal with that history you just have to be like Ugh. that's you know Mm-mm. what it is but you know i i, I yeah I, sh- I surely hope no one is defending <laughs> the way towns <laughs> of just being like yeah nope. poor decision uh yeah. great re- great script there is a poor decision in the in the casting and makeup department but you can't go back and change it if you don't want to watch it, then don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, this here, this is probably, I, I don't know, this is probably on the, um, I don't know, like, oh, that's a shame, <laughs> but not like ragingly. It's not as egregious. The cost, you know, they didn't make him up at least. Right. Uh, and the then you pointed, I wasn't even thinking about the hostage stuff going on at that time too. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Drawing a straight line. A straight <laughs> See, line. Yeah. I was like, that, I was like yeah. all right, now that, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The second half of the episode. Um, oh, yeah. That was, yeah. But it, yeah, it is what they they. That's what they want the uh, smuggling buddies of yep. Jenna's past to look like. Yep, uh, and that's yeah who she's run with. But this yeah, this is um, this episode. So yeah, they this this president we we talked about here. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to convince him that Blake's not an assassin, and that, that you know we're gonna get you back. You're gonna be part of helping this revolution before your planet gets taken over by the federation or something mm-hmm. something like that and he's like hey look i have a gramophone um all my random, <laughs> so random stuff. old records yeah i know uh i yeah so and they go uh, back uh, uh, another the, fun thing to see you know just like the car it's just hilarious to see this gramophone mm-hmm. in uh in blake seven playing these old-timey uh uh, records, um, and then it's even more like you could. I, I kind of like the way that uh, Gareth Thomas plays this because he's he's mm-hmm. baffled by it all. Like he doesn't like what what is this thing? You know, with this gun? What is this? These these strange discs? When he breaks a record to try to convince. Uh, yeah, Sarkov. it's threatening his stuff is where he it's takes it seriously. It's threatening his stuff, but I like the way he does it. Like He picks it up as if he doesn't quite know what he is about to break, but he knows that it matters to Sarkov. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain unfamiliarity with it you know, when he smashes it, then I think it's just a subtle little performance that I kind of like. And then he picks up the, the tray of uh, of butterflies and stuff and, and nearly breaks that. And, he, you know, he, he doesn't, Sarkov does not last long to this style of, uh, no. of, of interrogation. It's like, no, you broke one record. No, no more. As I was thinking that, you know, I, about Doctor Who missing episodes, I'm thinking, oh man, like, oh. Did, did he just break the only copy of that record that's in existence? Uh, the missing oh. episode hunters, the missing uh, uh, music archive hunters of the 24th and a half century right. or wherever uh, Blake 7 is set. It's probably like, no, Raj Blake, you're supposed to be defending freedom and freedom is having all the missing media returned to us. Oh. And he just wrecked that. Yeah, and it's a British show, so it probably was something <laughs> that got wiped there. <laughs> yep. Uh, they did, I mean, there was a great line in this too where it said, I'm ready to let you kill me. 
but I'm not ready to let you justify the act. Mm, that was a yeah. cool line. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Um, and yeah, so he, he, the threatening stuff, but in, in the Liberator, there's this ship floating around, and they're like, Gan's like, I'll go check it out, guys. And I'm like, <laughs> man, they're, they're making him just important. And then he is gone, and then he's like, I'm coming back. And then. Um, Zen's like, yo, that wasn't his voice. Yeah, like I could have, uh, like the way he says, everyone, it's perfectly fine to come across. Everyone should come across right now. It's perfectly safe for what we need. It just, mm-hmm. and he goes on forever. Like in no way does it. Like I think something was really up, and like Villa's like, well, works enough for me. <laughs> Let's go. And it's only Zen that finally says that was <clears> not Gan. Uh, and then, of course, Avon is suckered in, and he operates the teleport because he doesn't answer the phone, and mm-hmm. and then boom, there uh, the ship is taken over. Right, uh, and yeah, and then when they get back there with the president, and as we'll find out later, daughter Tice, uh, they're like, "Where's everybody?" And then they find Jenna, and she's like, "Everybody's dead." And then we get knocked out or whatever, yeah. and and she's uh, turned, she's turned traitor. Jenna has. Um, and she mm-hmm. keeps it up too. That's the amusing thing is that yeah. even even when like she's in the room, uh, in the sort of make do prison that they're they're in the brig, if you will, and they're all lying on the floor and they're all tied up. I think uh, with a little uh, restraining necklaces on them. I don't I don't remember if there was a, a guard in there with them, but like she keeps up the. Uh, the the premise of her having turned even when they're in the same room so she doesn't let on that by the way i am i'm doing a bit i'm really not joining with them but we'll right. do our best i'm gonna do your best to get you out and uh which is kind of good because actually it it keeps that thread going because then we speak you know we see jenna and and tarvin have their discussion and, mm-hmm. and realize way ah they're knowing to each other this is a you know um, they they were previously doing dodgy deals together and everything, so maybe you sort of think, well, would yeah, she do it? They leave it in a place where not that you think Jenna's turned, but Jenna might just go for the side that's winning at the time. Yeah, but I would I, expect that from Avon more than uh, yeah, yeah. more than anyone. But also, I also wouldn't think Avon would be turned to um, you know, to be a puppet of some of. Of the uh, the Amagons, I guess we should call them. Yeah, I, did, uh, I I wouldn't believe Avon would have a group of friends that would show up that he would do this. Like I feel like he's forever a loner, and that anybody mm-hmm. that's come across him in the past wouldn't be like, "Ha ha, buddy, buddy," you know. Um, at this point in the show, with what he's given, like he just feels like he he doesn't build long relationships. He leaves them no. at a point, um, and it's been strictly business. Um, cut and dry, but mm-hmm. her, I'm just like, mm, she playing like she's back with this guy out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. or has she been communicating with them all along? Like, there, there's some good questions left dangling when I was watching. Yeah, with her. yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's also like, she's also, I'm just thinking back to the very first scene that we see her in in episode one when she's the one that tells Raj, Oh, by the way, Villa has stolen your your watch mm-hmm. you know she sells him out she sells villa out there too so like there is no side that she won't sort of you know get on for her own good even at the expense of people she knows and also if you're not familiar with the show at all and you're going through it the first time jenna's turning on them here 
It's a big thing. But we are also introducing Tice, this also fashionable blonde who's capable uh, to talk some smack and with a, a gun or and stuff like that. It's like, oh, are we going to be left with her and Jenna's <laughs> going to be bye-bye? Like Re- Replacement Tice, who apparently has a shine for Blake, as we see oh, in the very yeah. last scene of the episode. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. That that from nowhere, and then Jenna's like the forced Jenna Blake thing. Yeah, yeah. They're they're desperately trying to turn Blake into some sort of sex symbol, but it it's it's it, it, never too many curls. Off. Too many. Yeah. Cur- Tom Baker owns the curls at this era. Yeah. So, sorry, um, Gareth, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, because there's there's her, and then all of a sudden, the end, she's like, "I'll see you later, Blake," and, she, and then Jenna's just like, "Bam!" Teleport <laughs> later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, they have the the classic. Um, if you don't do what we want you to, your collar's gonna explode. Device mm-hmm. put on them uh, during this time because not uh, white Omar Sharif is gonna uh, turn them into the Federation for money and keep the liberate. Like what is that? What was the deal? Uh, everyone something. wants to. Everyone's a bounty hunter now. In the, mm-hmm. in the uh, you know, it's uh, like last week. The doctors <laughs> at the uh, at the station need to do that, and now it's the uh, the Amagons want to do that. And you know, they're getting yeah. they're getting notorious out in the galaxy, I guess. And people are just uh, eager to to cash them in. I I like the uh, the little um, a sparkly star effect uh, every time that uh, one of those little necklaces uh, blew mm. up, mm-hmm. uh, w- which is very intriguing. I, I so much so that I don't know how they did that in 1979, eight or nine. Gotta or love that. Was. Yeah. Yep. TV and movie magic. I love that's the thing. That's the thing I never say with CG. I never yeah. say like movie magic. Like no. But when you, you know, do like it, pra- like optical effects and stuff, I'm always still like, ooh, these like, are cool. Like I wouldn't know how to do that. You know, yeah. like these are things like people Google and like have to like create these really complicated filters to make their digital productions look like they've been shot on VHS. Right. And it's like we used to just shoot them on VHS. <clears throat> it's so difficult to replicate uh, what we would call archaic technology now. So whenever mm. I see a video effect like that little sparkly star star thing, I think. I have no idea how they did that because right. it predates computers. Uh, not that it's easy to do on computers, but you know how it's done on it. You know that it's done on a computer, mm-hmm. and I don't know how that effect was done. And it's probably simple back then, but mm-hmm. I, I'm completely baffled. Yeah, little things like little lasers and lightning bolts coming out. I'm like, ooh, these are mm-hmm. so neat. Rather than, well, I just yeah, not that not that CG artists aren't overworked, underpaid, and working a lot. <laughs> yeah. Definitely but not. I yep. just, for me, like the magic was always like, how did they do that? And then when yeah. I can answer that question with computers, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, it's different. It's yeah. different. And there are, there are CG things that blow me away today too, because I don't know their CG. Um, so there's, they, they can do uh, great stuff with that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this, the, yeah, the neck, the collars, which Villa is the guy in charge of getting them off and, the funniest line or delivery in Blake 7 so far happened in this episode. Okay. Bill is struggling to get it off. Uh, he's working on Blake's to turn off the, the collar stuff. And he goes, I told you I couldn't do it. And Villa says, I believed you all along. <laughs> I I also like when he's, uh, you know, taking it off or trying his best, you know, um, uh, you know, so I trust you, Villa. He says, but I'm standing right behind you. That's why I trust you. <laughs> yes. 
Oh yeah, there. I mean, otherwise, there is. That was stupid. None of us showed conspicuous intelligence on this occasion. Yeah, that was good too. I uh, like. I like that. A rare, a rare admission of uh, stupidity from from Avon during yes. that, uh, that oh. shot there. And then there's uh, Jenna with Tarvin. Perhaps I made you better off. You're a pretty woman, Jenna, but not that pretty. <laughs> ah, nice. Uh, at least, at least somebody's not uh, <laughs> not like the guy last week trying to be. Oh, so many beautiful women on this ship. Well, you know, at least he doesn't go that far. Right. He doesn't go that far. And then, uh, oh, what do you take pride in, Jenna? Survival at the expense of your friends? I didn't know you cared, Avon. He didn't, and he was right. <laughs> that was a dark line from Villa. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. Uh, and then the, when they were taking the collars, would Blake get his collar off? Callie's like, great, great. I'll be next. Okay. And then they get in like a line for him to take it off. I was, that like, was just, funny. Poor Villa. Just like, okay, you're really testing me here, but gets it done. Gets yeah. it done. Good old reliable Villa. It's good to see him do something because for the, you know, more often than not in the past few episodes, I feel like he's just been el- operating the teleport or not wanting to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to have him actually do some proper uh, safe cracking again, uh, it's it's nice for that that character to be back on board. Right. And I, I just like the use of almost everyone here. I mean, this is a kind of a light Avon episode. He's, he's tasked with like trying to get a door open but they give jenna like a stealth mission mm-hmm. to like knock people out and try to free the crew while also looking like she's still bad um and her telepathy comes back again uh you know that's used a lot in yeah this. they haven't touched on it a lot uh but this is one of the big ones and they even mentioned telepathy is pretty mm-hmm. handy isn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. yes it is when the writers remember that they could they could use it right. but it's not like Callie has sort of been on a lot of missions cuz she's just sort of been stuck on the uh liberator for a lot of this too so yeah, it's, I think, it's it's nice for them to get on away missions too right i think Callie and Blake is a good uh, a squad to go down to a planet um mm-hmm. cuz i'd say Avon going down there too but you also might just need him on the ship because those Plots and storylines can need his snark. Um, <laughs> you, you feel it's kind of like sending Picard and Riker down on the same mission. They, no, yeah. you don't do that. You keep you keep one of the two up on the top, right. You know, per, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so they got them going on. Gan gets to do something, and it, it involves him being off screen. Uh, <laughs> Villa is put to use with his lock picking and stuff. Yep. So like everything kind of functions well in this episode. Just. Uh, a plot, B plot come together. It makes, yeah, I, yeah, I thought this was pretty, I, I don't know if I'll ever call this a favorite, but it really worked well in terms of the plot and scripting weaving around into one another. And, um, I, I, the only thing I was like, did it matter that Tice was the guy's daughter? Was that like a, oh, oh, wow. If, if only to sort of like, uh, at least it explains uh, what she's doing there. With I guess so, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, maybe it gets a little creepy, yeah. Gotcha, true, true. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I, I, yeah, thought, and I thought, yeah, the Sarkoff, he ends up, he kills Tarvin. He's the guy. I like that. Him. I kind of like that where yeah. he's like really, uh, you know, like, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. But then for some reason, once his, once Tarvin's distracted and he doesn't have the power over Tice, mm-hmm. he shoots him anyway, perhaps for thinking, I'd angry at you for threatening her. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost that, that, that gets him to shoot him as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to protect you just anger just anger takes over kind of like it did with julian glover last week right everyone turns into a homicidal maniac i guess we've got five minutes folks five and and one one and a half is credits so Mm -hmm. we've got to we got to get someone angry 
and get get them going. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this uh, good good mixture of film, video, location, studio mixture. I, yeah, this just kind of packed it all. Yep. Yeah, an agreeable episode, I dare mm-hmm. say. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a hard positive, I guess, um, mm-hmm. on it. So, uh, Stephen, uh, please set our course again for Earth. But before we give it to the Federation, please share with people your information. I am on Twitter at Legopolis, and uh, <laughs> I also do other Doctor Who podcasts, occasionally mentioning Blake Seven, uh, Radio Free Scarrow, Lazy Doctor Who, and the Memory Cheats. All right, uh, hashtag once Tice. Three times a lady. Uh, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brennan4KUHD. Written work on whysoblue.com. There's more from the Brennan Peters Show um, whenever you're listening. Uh, but from old space. If it takes all my life, I will destroy you, Blake. I will destroy you. I will destroy you. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.